On this, the last day of the first month of 2021, I wonder how you're doing. I wonder how things are going in your own personal life, in your family life, in your work life. I wonder how it is you are really doing on the inside and how it's manifesting itself on the outside. You know, as you embark on a new year, there's always new opportunities. And for the most part, we look at a new year as an opportunity to do something that maybe we've never done before. Or maybe something that we have done before or started before but, but never finished in. And this would be the year that, that we finish that. Or embark on something adventurous. But I wonder, as you have entered into a new year, how the first month has gone for you. Because you have 11 more to go. And so the first month is a pretty good indicator of how the, the next 11 are going to go. I wonder if, if, if some of you still are, are filled with all kinds of fear and anxiety. I mean, after all, we spent 16 weeks abolishing anxiety last summer, right? And so you'd think that having gone through the scriptures and looked at what the Bible says concerning abolishing anxiety, that we would be free from all anxious thoughts, that we would live in the fear of the Lord, not fearing any man or anything, that we would live trusting our God, believing in our God, living for our God with no anxiety, no anxious thoughts at all. But I couldn't realize that, as I said last summer, that just because of the violence that took place in the summertime, or just because of the virus that was happening and is still among us even at this uh, time of the year, even because of those things, when they're all gone, there will be something else that will come that will cause you to be anxious and to live in fear and trepidation. So that's why we, we gave you the, the bookmark so that you could keep this in your Bible. Remember that? Abolishing anxiety so you would never forget the principles, the 10 principles that we gave you. And that, based off of one verse, remember that verse? Proverbs 12.25. Thank you, Roger. Good man. Dude, you're cheating. You're reading the bookmark. Man, yeah, gee. <laughs> Proverbs 12.25, right? Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down. But a good word causes it to be glad. Nothing better than a good word. And what's the good word? The good word is the gospel. The good word is the truth of the living God. The good word is what God has given to us in his word. So that the psalmist would say in Psalm 94... When my anxious thoughts overwhelm me, thy consolations now delight my soul. I know that anxious thoughts are going to come, and when they do, I know that the consolations of God is the one thing that will delight my soul. And so I will trust in the living God, in the living word. Having said that, I want you to understand that his revelation is your resolution. 
the revelation of God truly is your resolve, your commitment every day of your life. If you understand God's revelation, if you understand the truth of God's holy word, everything about your life will change. So let me share with you this verse. It's located in the book of Proverbs. Solomon would say this to his son because the book of Proverbs is written to his son and so it's the only book in the Bible written to teenagers, the book of Proverbs. So Solomon would write to his son and he would say these words in Proverbs 29, verse number 18. Without a vision, the people perish. That's how the King James Version states it. Without a vision, the people perish. The New American Standard would say, without a vision, the people are unrestrained. They're out of control. And we would think that a vision would be somehow something that we would understand about the future, and it is, but the literal translation of Proverbs 29, 18 is this. Without the revelation, the people are unrestrained. They're out of control. They will perish. But it's the revelation of God that gives you the vision to see clearly as to what you are to do. So when it says, without a vision, the people perish, without the revelation of God to give you that proper clarity, to give you that vision as to what you are to do as a father, as a parent, as a teacher, as an employee or an employer, as a coach, whatever it is you do, without the revelation of God, you cannot see clearly as to what you are to do. And the people that are under you will be unrestrained. They'll be out of control. They won't know where to go. Moses had a clear vision based on the revelation of God. And that revelation of God assured him of God's presence as he would lead the people of Israel through the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb, they understood the revelation of God which gave them the clear vision as to the promised land and God's provision for them in the promised land. And that's why they survived the 40 years and everybody else died in the wilderness except those under 20 years of age. Daniel understood the revelation of God, had a clear vision as to the future because he understood God's power. You see, without a revelation, that is, the revealed truth of God's word, and the revelation of God is all about his person, right? It's about who he is. And it's, it's all about the work of the Messiah. So when you talk about the revelation, you're talking about the person of the Messiah. And with that person comes the power of the Messiah. And with that power comes the provision of the Messiah. And with that provision, it tells us of the presence of the Messiah. 
along with the president, talks to us about the peace he gives to us because of his presence and because of his power, based on his person. That revelation helps us understand the providence of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God. Without a revelation, the people are unrestrained. Without a vision, the people will perish. I want you to think about this with me for a moment. Because the revelation of God is, is so important. As we move back into the book of Hebrews, a book that deals with the supremacy and sufficiency of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is supreme, he is sufficient as the word incarnate. But the word inspired is just as supreme and just as sufficient because they're his words. The word inspired is just as supreme because Psalm 138 verse number two says, thy word, O Lord, is magnified even as thy very name. The word inspired is just as sufficient as the word incarnate because Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1 verse number three that everything that pertains to life and godliness is in the revelation of the living God. His revelation should always be your resolution every day. If not, the people that you oversee will be out of control, will be unrestrained. So think this through with me for a second. For hundreds of years, for millennia, the world has operated under the revelation of God when it comes to dealing with people who are sick. For the first time in the history of forever, the world changed how it deals with the sick. In other words, for the first time in the history of forever, the world has decided to quarantine the healthy along with the sick. That has never before happened in the history of our world. So, without the revelation of God, the people what? Perish. Could it be could it possibly be that the judgment of God as to why 2.2 million people are dead around the world and 440,000 are dead in America is because without a revelation, the people perish. Unless you follow the revelation of God, it's going to cost you greatly. It's going to cost you severely. And God has outlined the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 13 to 15, Numbers chapter 5, and God outlined how it is you deal with those who are sick. You quarantine them. You isolate them. 
But the healthy, you let them carry on as normal. The world didn't do that, did it? It locked everybody down. And people began to die in great numbers. And so you have to ask yourself the question, why would they do that? When they would go against the revelation that has been clearly followed throughout generations. You see, when God told Israel, back in the book of Leviticus, we had the time, I, I would read it for you, but we don't have the time. You can go back and read it for yourself. God says, this is what you do with those who are sick. You isolate them. But those who are healthy, you allow them to carry on as normal. You see, because if God said, you quarantine the healthy along with the sick, the healthy would die. Because you see, I had to go out every day as a Jew and collect my manna, my food, and that manna would only last for a day, right? I couldn't keep it overnight, eat it the next day, it'd be spoiled. And God wanted Israel to know that I'm going to provide for you every single day. And so I'm going to give you manna from heaven. I'm going to give you this special bread. It's designed by me for you. And only once, that is on Friday, can you gather it for that day and for the next day, the Sabbath, because you can't go out on the Sabbath. And I will allow that bread to be eaten on that day. But if he quarantined the healthy, they could not go out each day, gather their food, and they would die. See, God has a plan. And so the priesthood, they became the local CDC of Israel. They were the health department of Israel. They were the spiritual health department of Israel. And they were the physical health department of Israel. And somebody needs to tell the president of the United States that all these virologists and all these epidemiologists that he has surrounded himself with, set them aside, bring in the Levitical priesthood so he might know how to deal with those who are sick and with those who are well. And could it be that this coronavirus, as they call it, is as bad as it is, and God has allowed it to be that bad, because for the first time in the history of forever, the world has foregone the revelation of God, and without the revelation of God, the people perish. Food for thought. Would you not agree? Sure it is. His revelation is our resolution. We are resolved to listen to what God says. We are resolved to do what God says. We are resolved to obey the word of the Lord. Because it goes on to say this, happy is he who keeps the law. Proverbs 29, 18b. Without the revelation of God, the people are unrestrained. They're out of control. 
Could you imagine what it would be like in America if our government followed the revelation of God? There would be no riots in our cities. There'd be no upheaval in our country if we just followed the revelation of the living God. And so you begin to understand the blessed man, the happy man, is the one who keeps the law of God. Remember what I told you the week before the election and the week after the election, or the Sunday before the Sunday after. Proverbs 16, verse number 20. He who gives attention to the word, the word of God, the revelation of God, will find good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who gives attention, who pays attention, who pays close attention to the word of God. Listen, the book you hold in your hand, the word of God, the Bible, the inspired word of God, the word inspired is as valuable as the word incarnate because these are his words I'm reminded of the words of that, that famous preacher in Orange County who has his big church down in Saddleback who said that the preaching of the word of God does not produce spiritual maturity. Really? You've just denied the supremacy of God's word. You've just denied the authority of God's word. You've just denied the sufficiency of God's word. In other words... The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, Paul preached because the gospel was the power of God unto salvation to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. The preaching of the word of God is powerful enough to bring salvation to man's life. The preaching of the word of God is so powerful, it transforms the life. It makes it a new creation. If God's word can do that through the simple preaching of the word of God, would it not be sufficient through the preaching of the word of God to grow that same life that's been transformed? Absolutely. We need to stop denying the truth and the authority of God's word. His revelation is our resolution. For without the revelation, the people are unrestrained. They're out of control. But in order for them to be in control, for them to be restrained so they don't perish, they need to know what God's word says. Because blessed is the man who keeps the law of God. See, because the revelation of God is all about his person, we know him, we know his will. And his will is to shield us. His will is to shepherd us. His will is to satisfy us. His will is to strengthen us, sustain us, save us, secure us. That's why his revelation is your resolution. 
If you understand the revelation of God about his person, about his plans, about his providence, about his peace, about his promises, about his precepts, you understand how God shields you, how God protects you. So that's why the Bible says that those who know the Lord, they fear the Lord. They don't fear anything else. They don't fear COVID. They don't fear cancer. They don't fear cardiac arrest. They don't fear car accidents. They don't fear anything. Why? Because they know that God is their shield, their protector, their provider. That's what God does. And that's why the psalmist said these words in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. His faithfulness is a shield and a rampart. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. A buckler is armor. A rampart is that mound that goes around the city that's at the base of the walls so that when you attack a city, you have to go up the rampart, then you have to climb over the walls. Our Lord God is a shield to his people. Do we truly believe that? Do you truly believe that God is your protector? That God will shield you and watch over you, take care of you? His revelation must be your resolution, not just in a new year, but every single day. God is your protector. The Bible also says, way back in the book of Genesis, and I love this, way back in the book of Genesis, Abraham had just gone against the kings that had taken his nephew Lot captive. And Abraham went after the kings, he defeated the kings, he, he, he gained the spoils that they had, they had taken from the cities. He came back to Salem, which is modern-day Jerusalem. And there he met Melchizedek. You've been with us in our study of Hebrews, you should know who Melchizedek is. If you don't know, you need to go back and listen to what we said. But he paid tithes to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek blessed him. And he realized that God had done something great. But I can understand that Abraham would be just a tinge anxious as to what would happen next about the kings that he defeated. Would they come back after him? Would they want to kill him and his family? Would he be prepared to handle the onslaught of the, the, the enemy that would come against him? I don't know. What was he thinking? God knew what he was thinking. Just like God knows what you're thinking right now. And that's a good thing because I don't have to know what you're thinking. God already knows what you're thinking. And so God knows Abraham. And so in Genesis 15, you have four firsts in Scripture. Four firsts. 
Genesis is the book of beginnings. Genesis talks to us about that which is first. When it's first mentioned, you have four firsts in Genesis 15, verse number one. Here it goes. And these things, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. First time the phrase, word of the Lord, is mentioned in Scripture. So God is going to give a revelation to Abraham. God is going to speak. The word inspired is going to speak clearly so Abraham will know exactly what he's to do. So God is going to speak. Listen to what he says. Do not fear, Abram. Don't be afraid. Whatever you do, Abraham, you're the father of people's faith. In other words, of all those who will one day believe in me, you are the father of their faith. You need to set the example, Abraham. And you can't set a good example if you live in fear. You can't set a proper example if you're afraid. You gotta be strong. You gotta be courageous. You gotta be the man of God I need you to be, Abraham. So the word of the Lord came to Abram and said, do not, Abraham, be afraid. He didn't say, you know what, Abraham? I know you're a little afraid. I know you're a little anxious. I can understand why you're afraid. He didn't say that. He says, don't do that. Don't be afraid. God never says, you know, I know you're a little anxious. He says, don't be anxious. It's a command given. Don't do that. Why? Because when you are, you live as if I don't exist. You live as if I don't exist. But if you're not afraid, what man can do to you? Don't fear the one who kills body. Fear the one who kills body and soul in hell. Kill that, fear that one, but don't fear the one who kills body. So Abraham, do not be afraid. Why? I am your shield. That's why. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. Four firsts. The word of the Lord came. Number two, do not be afraid. Number three, I am your shield. Number four, I am your reward. And that would set the tone for the rest of Abraham's life. And God wanted him to know that. That's why we say his revelation is your resolution. I am resolved in my heart, in my mind. I am determined in my heart and in my mind. I am committed in my heart and in my mind that the revelation of God, everything that reveals his person to me, which the word of God does, and everything about his person, whether it's his plans or precepts or promises or provisions or powers or peace, whatever it may be, Lord, that revelation is mine. And I'm going to adhere to that revelation because it's the truth. And God says, I am your protector. I'm your fortress. I'm your refuge. I am your shield. Remember what the Bible says over in Deuteronomy. 
Deuteronomy chapter 33, as Moses is closing out his last words, 33, 20, 26, there is none like the God of Jeshurun or Jerusalem who rides the heavens to your help and through the skies in his majesty. There's nobody like our God who rides the heavens for help when you need it. No one like him. The eternal God is a dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he drove out the enemy from before you and said, destroy. So Israel dwells in security. The fountain of Jacob secluded in a land of grain and new wine. His heavens also drop down dew. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. So your enemies will cringe before you and you will tread upon their high places. Wow, isn't that great? Don't you want your enemy to cringe before you? Of course you do. And the way they're going to cringe before you is because the revelation of God that speaks to us about him being your shield, your refuge, your fortress, causes you to live without fear that you might be able to stand against all those who might come against you. And they cringe because they begin to understand the power of the living God. How important is that? The Bible goes on and says these words. Psalm 18, verse number one. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Wow. Is there any other way David can say that? The Lord is a stronghold. The Lord is a refuge. The Lord is a shield. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my strength. In other words, without God, what do you have? Nothing. You're vulnerable. But with God, you have everything you need. So when God says to Abraham, I am your shield, set the tone for all those who will be blessed because of you. Set the tone for all those who will embrace the seed that will come for you. Show the way, Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. Do you understand God is your shield? His revelation is your only resolution. For without the revelation of God, there is no clarity as to what to do. And the people will be unrestrained. The people will be out of control. The people will perish. But blessed is the man who keeps the law of God. Psalm 62. Psalm 62 is titled the only song. The only song. We had a lady in our church years ago, Della Grindall. She taught in our children's ministry. She taught downtown. 
at Church the Open Door for 50 years, children. When we had our memorial service at this church, there was not an empty seat in the auditorium, nor was there any place to stand. There was no place to stand in the foyer. It was packed with people. Never before in the history of our church has there been that many people at one time for any one event or one service. Standing room only because of the impact of one woman who taught Sunday school for over 50 years to children who grew up knowing the Lord because she taught them. She entitled the Psalm 62 as the only psalm because here it says, my soul waits in silence for God only. See, we have a hard time saying that because we wait in silence, but we don't wait for God only. We wait for somebody else to do something. It says down in verse number five, my soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Oh God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. See, the problem with us is that Psalm 62 isn't our only psalm because God isn't our only rock. We are hoping for some other rock, some other person, some other refuge, something else to come along that we can see and we can touch and we can feel. But God is our only rock. He's our only fortress. And when God is your only rock, the Bible says you will never be shaken. If you are shaken because of fear, you know that God is not your only rock. It's just that simple. You're not trusting in the Lord. You're trusting in something or someone else, but you're not trusting in the Lord God. If you are being shaken by circumstances, by situations, by things around you, you know that God is not your only rock. Because the psalmist makes it very clear that when he is, you're not shaken. Because you've run to him. He is your refuge. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and are safe. Proverbs 18, verse number 10. The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You know, there's so much to say about this, about God being our shield. I really wanted to finish all eight points this morning. Didn't happen. But that's okay, I'm not going anywhere unless Jesus comes again to takes me home. And if he takes me home and you're still here, you're in a heap of trouble, okay? But he is our shield. I, I, need you to, I need you to understand this. I need you to grasp this. Abraham had to. The psalmist had to. We have to. And God talks to the nation of Israel about their captivity in Babylon and tells them in 
Isaiah 44, verse number one. Now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. He tells them that he's chosen them. He says these words in verse six, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. There is no God besides me who is like me. Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order from the time that I established the ancient nation. And let him declare to them the things that are coming and the events that are going to take place. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me or is there any other rock? I know of none. Do not be afraid. Do not be shaken. Listen to me. I am your rock. There is no other rock. Is there another God? Can he declare the end from the beginning? No. Can he tell you what's going to happen in the future? No. But you know what God does? He tells Israel about the future. He prophesies a hundred years before Cyrus, king of Persia, is born. And he prophesies 150 years after Cyrus is born and becomes king and what will happen to them. And God says, I have a man I have chosen. His name is Cyrus, king of Persia. And he does not know me, but he is my Messiah. He is my anointed one. He is my shepherd. I've chosen a pagan king to be my Messiah that's going to take you back out of 70 years of captivity back to Jerusalem. And he spells out for Israel exactly how he's going to defeat the Babylonians. He spells out for Israel exactly how it's all going to come to play. And he even tells Israel that he will get the king's spoils from Babylon and he will give them their treasures when they go back to Jerusalem. Is it any wonder he says, there's nobody who can do that except me. I'm your rock. I'm your fortress. I'm your shield. I'm your deliverer. There is no other rock. If you trust in me as your rock, you will never be shaken. You will never be afraid because you will trust only in me. And that's what I need you to do. But the only way you're going to know that is because his revelation is your resolution. The revelation of God causes me to resolve in my heart and mind. I will trust in no one else. I will trust in nothing else but God himself. So, when God chooses a president, he chooses a president for his purposes, for his plan, for his providence. And so Proverbs 29:18 says that without the revelation of God, the people will be unrestrained, out of control. They will perish, but happy is the man who keeps the law of God. My prayer for you and me as a church, that the revealed, written word of God 
the word inspired, equivalent to the word incarnate, the precepts equivalent with the person who gives the precepts, gives us his promises. When you understand the promises, you understand his revelation. That revelation will give you clarity, will give you a vision as to what God wants you to do as you live for him every single day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, a chance to be in your word, a chance to be challenged once again, a chance to understand who you are and what you've done. And Lord, we thank you and praise you and anticipate, Lord, the day you come to take us home to be with you. What a great day that will be. Until then, may we be found faithful. May your revelation be our resolution. In Jesus' name, amen.